Welcome to another episode of Scarves and Spikes. It is Tyler Pilgrim here alongside Sydney Hunt. We're back on a, another strange day, Thursday, and we're keeping things busy, keeping it rolling just like Atlanta United is. So, Sydney, how's it going? You're back. I'm back. I feel like I haven't been on for ever. Um, <laughs> I was out of the country a few weeks ago. I know you and Tommy held it down pretty well, but um, good to be back stateside. Good to be back on the show. I will say that I'm doing a little better than Phil Neville at this current moment. So yeah. I don't know if it's too soon to bring that up, but hey, it's fresh news. Fresh yeah. news. Fresh um, as we're doing the show here on a Thursday night. I know the podcast folks may not be as fresh, but yeah, still relatively fresh. But um, yeah, maybe we can get into that a little bit later on. But um, yeah, um, tough night for a lady United against snatching defeat from the Johnson victory, kind of. Um, and, yeah, maybe a little bit more therapy to go through tonight. But, um, yeah. yeah, good to be back. Definitely, definitely. So, I say we start off with a discussion about the finale of Ted Lasso. Um, you will probably have to have that discussion on your own because <laughs> no uh, I have not seen it. <laughs> No, um, um, it's good though. It's good. You should watch it. Good. I'll so anybody that comments, don't spoil it for Sydney. He hasn't got there yet. Yes, I have not gotten there yet. So no spoilers, please. Yes, please no spoilers. Um, but yeah, lot to talk about from last night. Um, kind of a roller coaster, Tyler lows and highs, and then lows again. Um, yeah, just emotional. Uh, Emotional, yeah, emotional roller coaster. But first, before we dive into it again, uh, we, we talked about it on the spaces last night, but I want to give a real quick recap and we'll do it again uh, before the end of the show. We have Jake Zivin coming on today, obviously, announcer last night um, for the match alongside Taylor Twelman, also called the Orlando match with Taylor Twelman. And he will also be calling, and it's not actually public information, but I was told I could tell everybody. Um, I think it's not a secret at this point, but he'll also be calling the match alongside yeah. Taylor Twellman in L.A. for the LAFC match. So, speaking of the LAFC match, we are doing our, I don't want to say regular, but our watch-along on Wednesday. We're also doing our show Wednesday, back to normal, because they're playing on the West Coast, and yep. it's a 10.30 probably 1038 roughly kickoff so wear your pajamas slumber party time bring whatever late night drinks you want to have and yeah we're going to do the regular show and then jump over to the patreon so if you're not on the patreon mm -hmm. yet definitely jump over there links at the top patreon.com slash scarves and spikes and for all the the club level folks we'll be doing the watch long probably be doing some some giveaways we'll be doing trivia atlanta united trivia it's gonna be a, it'll be a fun night um, yeah grand old time yeah, we'll have a good time. So definitely make sure you're over there and uh, probably won't be doing the spaces that night. So in place of the spaces, make sure you come on that watch along because it'll be a lot of fun. Yes, it will so. be fun. All right. Um, and we'll talk about LAFC a little bit later because you now they're, of course, in Gift Champions League. But we'll get into them, maybe their, what their approach might be for that match a little bit later on. But um, yeah, let's get into it, I guess. Yeah, I guess we'll dive into it. So because we do have Jake coming on relatively soon uh we will discuss this match <laughs> this new england revolution match at the same time i think we do player ratings so we'll keep it all tied in together that way we're not repeating ourselves 
and we got a handful of players to uh, to talk about. So, as usual, because it's another live one, make sure if you're in the chat, we want to hear from you guys as well. We want to hear your opinions, thoughts. Give us your player ratings using your own scientific method of, mm-hmm. of player rating. Uh, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun. And then and then we got plenty of news to talk about uh, either yep. before or after Jake gets on. So, you ready? Let's ready do to it. Into it. Let's do it. All righty. I guess I don't want to start. I'm going to start. We'll start off with this one just to go ahead and get it out of the way. And I don't want to be a jerk, but we have to talk about Brad Guzan. So, uh, yeah. We have to. Um, I don't have my whiteboard. I wasn't prepared. So, you did not get prepared. If you're listening to the podcast, <laughs> I know. Yeah, you're and good. You, you got some behind the scenes things going on over here. Marker. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you mine while he yes. figures his, his stuff out. Um, man, where do I even go with this? Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with an even four. I'm going to go with a four. Yeah, three and a half, four, personally. Okay. Um, here's, my, here's my thing. All right. Brad Guzan, I in my opinion, is the reason that the Orlando match was kept 2-1-1. For, for a couple of reasons, he had a, he had a really good save in that match, but also, you know, his leadership. It, it, we can talk about the energy and all that at a different time. We've already covered it extensively, but like, he does help organize the back line. But last night, he was just off, and it's okay to have a bad game. It's okay to have a really bad game. Unfortunately, when you have a really bad game as a goalkeeper, it tends to be exaggerated a lot more than if you're a striker that just doesn't score or, yeah. or whatever, right? That's just that's just how it is. So Bragazan gets off early, really bad mistake. Not the best pass back to him, but he's got to control it. He's got to do it better. And that in that moment he just has to clear the ball. Get rid of it. Yeah. But you pass it literally to one of the best players in the league, Carlos Hill, and he makes you pay for it. There's nothing else to say. It was a mistake. It, it is what it is. Um, the second goal, I mean, that was just a cluster in general. Uh, there's bodies flying everywhere. And, and a lot of the second and third goal, a lot of that does come down to your just your defense in general, which is an extensive conversation that we've had. The last one, I still think it's a savable shot. I think Brad has to do better there for sure. But, you know, it, it just wasn't his night. Not his night at all. And mm-hmm. he'll... He's a professional. He's had bad games before. Aston Villa, different different places. You know, it is what it is. But right now, you you may you may lose the leadership and get better shot stopping. You may have to trade. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a kick Brad out and figure out somebody else. Zilf saying in the chat, uh, give Vicente Reyes a chance. Um, I mean, I, I definitely think he he needs it for sure. But you know. He's coming back from this injury. I don't think it's the end of the world yet. Now, you go out to LAFC, very hostile environment. You want a guy like him back there because he can handle it. I don't I, I don't want to give Vicente Reyes his first match or or one of those guys their first match really for the first team in front of a place like LA. Yeah. And, and you know, something like that that kind of discredits Westbrook and Diop. So, I don't know if you want to go that far in terms of yeah, uh, replacement for Brad Gazan. I want to be careful um, about how I talk this up because 
you know, we have to come to terms with the fact that Brad Gazan is 38 going on 39 years old and that he is at the twilight of his career, as I've kind of mentioned before in the past, um, and that Lenny and Nida need to really... I'm not saying that because of less Wednesday night. I'm saying this from a big picture standpoint. And Lenny and Nida need to really think through what their future in the goalkeeping position is. And I don't think it's a move they'll make in the summer transfer window by any stretch of the imagination. But it is a very, very important part of what this team will be over the next, I think, five to ten years. And whether it's a Reyes that's in the system and uh, you're not going to start him tomorrow um, or somebody else, whether your future keepers you know, out there somewhere, um, there has to be that discussion. And Brad, and I've said this before, he is, like you said, he's a professional, but there's a lot of, he has a lot of pride in his abilities as a keeper and as a professional soccer player. I mean, He'd play on one leg if you let him. I mean, yeah. he, he essentially did against NYCFC, and he came back like seven weeks before, seven weeks after he got injured. Yeah. I mean, in and of itself, that talks about what kind of person he is, what kind of player he is. But at the same time, um, and we have a tweet from Mike Conti. I don't know if we want to share it now or yeah. we'll wait till we'll a little bit later on. But uh, Mike Conti tweeted out after the match last night, Atlanta has stopped. You know, just over half of their shots taken against them, 52.5%. No other team in the league has a shot-stopping percentage below 62%. So those are sort of the things that you need to think about. And again, I'm not beating up on Brad Gazan. I don't think he needs to sit out just because of one really bad performance. Yeah. But at the same time, 2024, 2025, who is playing goalkeeper for Atlanta United? And whether it's Reyes or an outside player that needs to be a massive, massive decision that Atlanta United needs to really get right. So, yeah, that's kind of my two cents in it. I kind of agree with you. Maybe a four. Um, I won't give away the fat mob. I know it's kind of low. Uh, we'll, we'll do it but, in a uh, second. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, but every um, accountable metric – not Brad tonight at all. Not at and all. you hope that he recovers next week. If there's anybody that can, oh, yeah, can be a goldfish from that one, it's him. Exactly. So. Yeah, get it off your head. Get it off your yeah. system. Um, both so, saying Gazan gets yeah. a four, yeah. Four. Niall saying a four. Bruno saying a 3.2. Jimothy coming in hot with the 1.1. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but, yeah, as Tyler said, you know, you know, leave in the chat what you think. Um, also, you know, leave a comment if you're watching later on or listening later on. Love to hear it. Yep. All right. And so, just so everybody does know, if you haven't seen it already, Fod Mob gave the man a three point eight. Yeah. Not not great at all. Look, so that might be his lowest as an Atlanta United player. I would. Uh, yeah, that assume, might be his lowest yeah. ever. Uh, actually, no, <laughs> no. He had a 3.5 against Columbus just a few weeks uh, Yeah, that's true. But that's not on I, – I, see, I disagree with that, though, because I feel like that wasn't as much on him. That was just the defense was awful. But yeah. anyway, that's a different conversation. Yeah, definitely. All right, Tiago Almada is the next one. Tiago Almada. The wonder kid himself. <laughs> wonder kid or wonderkind? Wonderkind. 
right. Um, I got my rating in I'm mind. Ready. So, yep. Eight. I got a, okay. I got an eight. Okay. I was thinking seven. Okay. I was thinking seven. Um, cool. Yeah, I'll go first since I have the lower score. Um, yeah, scored a goal. Scored. Um, was very involved. I. I mean, he's he's young. He's young. I he had a very strong start to the season. He's had I think he leads the league in assists at this point in time. Uh, I think he's going to go for a lot of money for Atlanta United um, and may break the record. And we've talked about this already, so I won't go back into it again. Um, I think he tends to take too much upon himself to make something happen. I, I'm sure he's aware of his talents. He tries to be humble. I, he is humble. Yeah, he's not a you know just a showy, flashy person. He's very soft spoken. Uh, <laughs> we talked about uh, earlier this season, like he acted as if nothing had happened after he see how he won the match. Just seemed despondent <laughs> to some, but in some respects. But yeah, that's just who he is. That's just yeah. who he is. And again, he's young, and I think that he has a tendency to kind of, like I said, try to make things happen on his own and that's not necessarily a bad thing for a player as talented as Tiago but I think being a young player he has to be careful that he's not putting too much of a burden on himself uh, that he gets too caught inside of his own head and starts to make mistakes and again I want to stress he's young he's only 22 years old he has a long successful career ahead of him so I don't want to seem like I'm criticizing him by any stretch of the imagination had a massive goal um, to yeah, really change the complexion of the match so a good performance really good performance I think 7 um, in my mind is really the perfect score for him I mean, you said 8 so yeah so I mean for me I think a lot of this I'm comparing to the Orlando match and, and maybe the match before that, I think he was he was in a little bit of a a slump and and a slump for Tiago Almada is still better than most anybody in the league, yeah. if we're being no honest. Kidding. So you know Orlando, I was I was frustrated watching him because he he was running into players just nonstop. He was trying to dribble and just not he was just not himself. This match, I actually felt like he started off slow. I think he it took about fifteen minutes twenty minutes before he really got going, but he did. And he was all over the pitch, and and he was orchestrating a lot of the counters and and everything else going on. I mean, he was he was doing what a number ten should do. Mm-hmm. So, I think obviously the goal was well deserved. A goal is a goal, whether it takes a deflection or not. But like the amount of work that he did to make that goal happen with the the dummy, you know, fake one way, and then just the dribbling and to take the shot in the stride that he did, there wasn't a lot of power behind it, but it was on and it actually just took a very fortunate deflection. And you take those, you take them all day because if it weren't Almada, he never would have been in that position in the place. So the, the kid makes things happen when he needs to make things happen. And you know, you're just, you're very fortunate to be able to watch a guy like him playing as simple as that, whether, whether you're an Atlanta fan or not, him being an MLS is outstanding for this league and you know i give him the eight because he got the goal but also because i feel like he kind of got his mojo back a little bit last night and i hope 
for Atlanta's sake, I hope it carries over to LAFC next week. So seven goals, seven goals and assists. Um, yeah. He had uh, six and twelve last year. So, I mean, if Atlanta United had a few more points, a bit, a bit higher in the standings, I mean, he'd be an MVP candidate all day long. I mean, he still yeah. might be, but yeah. you know, there are sure some other players that maybe are a little more deserving of it because of their team's standings or place in the standings right now. So, yeah. again, let's see what happens against LEFC. See if he's able to elevate his play even more in a really tough environment. Yep. All right. So, Bo coming in. Almada gets a seven. I deducted a point due to the wild shots. He he did have a few stray ones. Um, he also pinged one off the the crossbar that yep. could have been the early equalizer. The free kick, yeah. The, the dude, I mean, that's it's amazing, though. I mean, I know it didn't go in, but the fact that he can consistently put those on target past a goalkeeper – Close, at least close to being on target past the goalkeeper, is magical. <laughs> so, uh, Niall giving him a seven out of ten. Zilf, ten out of ten. But then for real, they gave him an eight. Jimothy yeah. <laughs> um, six point nine. Bruno seven point two three. Fob gave the young guy an eight point eight. Wow. Yeah. Eight point eight. Yep. Goodness. That is. That is his. Except for that Portland Timbers match where he won everything, and then the San Jose match where he won the game, that's his highest rating this year. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know if it's eight point eight worthy. I mean, it's a good performance. Not not eight point eight worthy. Yeah. But yeah. But hey, that's fought mob. So whatever. <laughs> All right. Moving on from Tiago Almada to another one. I don't think we've talked much about him this year on the on the ratings videos that we do either live or not live, but. He's he's been a crucial part this year, Franco Ibarra. Franco Ibarra. Um, I have my rating in mind. Me too, and it is seven point one. Okay, I was going to say seven point five. Oh, look at that! All right, wow, <laughs> close. <laughs> We're just just a little deviation. It's okay. Yeah, just a um, little. What you got? Uh, mine seven point one. I mean. Here's the thing. I wasn't paying a ton of attention, admittedly, to Franco Ibarra. But when I was, he was being his typical destroyer, just defensive midfielder self that's that's kind of everywhere. Is he the perfect defensive midfielder? Not even close. But he has upgraded his game immensely over the past year. And I think out of the U22 spots, he's the one that you could – ill afford to lose like he you, you you like sosa i'm sorry but sosa is just not having a year mm. uh and of course he's coming off the u22 spot anyway if they decide to keep him but like as it stands right now ibarra's the guy i think and he's he's just doing his thing and, and it, it it's a credit to him being able to go back into his traditional position yeah. credit to Pineda for putting him there and, and giving him the the resources to thrive because where he was playing last season more as a as an eight just was not him so i think he, he was doing well he of course got his obligatory yellow card last night uh <laughs> which i don't agree with because i feel like it should have actually been a foul prior to that on new england mm-hmm. but he's doing his thing and are his passes perfect his his distribution perfect no but he's doing his job i think so for me it was a it was a solid 7.1 
Point one because I'm glad he's back. Yeah. I I mean <clears throat> I've said this before. Um for a player of his position, we really don't notice him until he makes a really bad decision. And I think he made a lot of bad decisions last night. It wasn't a perfect evening by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, he, he was he was good. And I feel like considering what this team has gone through from a midfield standpoint, good is a lot better than what it's been um, at various other parts of the season. So seems like he's on a good little bit of form. Of course, he had to sit out um, to the yellows, but yeah, you know, it, it looks like he's on a pretty good run of form, and you know, love to see that continue and really see a lady United shore up a position or part of the pitch that has really struggled at best and been below average, well below average at worst. So, got on Franco for a relatively steady performance, not Darlington Nagby-esque by any stretch of the imagination, but yeah, steady performance, decent yeah. performance. That's Definitely. pretty much all you can ask for at this point. Exactly. At least you know what you're getting, and he's been consistent. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um. <laughs> Zilf, I'd use Sofa Score instead of Fop Mob with the ratings. No, I I know, but that we Fop Mob is more fun sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bo giving him a six. Yeah. Zilf, Zilf seven point three. Yeah. Nile seven and a half. Um. Yeah. That sounds like yeah. you all kind of are the same. We're all in the same wavelength, but um. Yeah. And apparently, so is Fop Mob because Fop Mob gave him a seven point four. Look at that. Yep. Uh, moving on to. Wanho Parada. Wanho Parada. We've really talked about him a lot on the ratings video this we year. We really haven't. We really haven't. Um, it's time for some love, I think. I, I will say this. I will say this. He was relatively quick to leave the locker room last night. Yeah. For the most part. And so, yeah, you can so see after the a match. Of others. Yeah, exactly. You can see after the match, just a frustration on yeah. his face. So can you blame him, really? Right. But uh, for, yeah. For me. Even six. I mean, I was kind of thinking six or seven. Okay. Um, I mean, the defense gets a lot of crap for <laughs> the way a lady knight has been playing, but I, I was I was thinking of a really good, a really strong tackle that he had in the second half. Um, really nice sliding tackle that prevented a really what could have been a solid. Uh, ref scoring chance and that's one of the plays that stood out to me um i don't i mean you have Mouse robinson um at the other center back pairing obviously and we'll talk about Mouse a little bit later on of course um uh, considering the news that came out today um yeah. you have him and you have parata and that's not been you know for the most part that's not been a terrible center back Pairing, not the best in the league, not the worst, but you know, Parata does get a lot of the you know, flack, I think. It's not that it's deserved, but I feel like he's not really been shocking. He's not really had a lot of shocking performances that really stand out for the wrong reasons. Um, he's kind of consistent. Um, I mean, he's not a Walker Zimmerman. He's not a Miles Robinson. He's very consistent and yeah. just very, I guess, average is probably the word to use. And I don't know. I, it, it wasn't a terrible performance. 
by him last night, but yeah, just average, I guess. Again, not yeah. not, not a shocking performance, but just average. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think he's been he's been relatively okay. I mean, nothing that just stands out. You always pay more attention to him when he when he scores goals, but the guy is is great in the air. We know that Air Force One, like we get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're always as as a center back, you're always gonna <laughs> on our wonderful ratings anywhere around the world, whether it's us or anybody else, you're gonna get pinged on goals, right? Mm-hmm. And even if they're this, not your fault, yeah, exactly. I mean, this <laughs> defensive unit is uh, just not able to keep a clean sheet and it is so worrying like you know and it's so frustrating because i think if this team were to give up one less goal a match you'd probably be sitting in the lead for the supporter shield right now oh heck yeah and it's just it's frustrating because it doesn't need to always be a clean sheet because you have so many players that are scoring goals like crazy but you're also giving up so many so back to parada specifically i mean he was he was quiet last night I, I look back at the second goal that was scored and all the cluster of everything that went on with that one. And you just, you've got somebody back there has to step up and, and shut down these crosses, you know, be, be more aggressive on the, the guys making runs into the box. It, it's just not there. It's not there. So, and I, and I hang that a little bit on Parada and miles, both like the, to Prada's credit, he's uh, he's back there being vocal. He's trying to organize things, but the unit is just not good enough. So I can't sit here and say, "Oh, he's a seven or eight or whatever." I mean, he, he didn't score a goal last night like he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he had any miraculous saves. I mean, he had a couple of really good tackles. Again, he's great in the air, but nothing that just stood out to me. So uh, I hope we can stop having to rate center backs because <laughs> they're just they don't see the ball that often because Atlanta just is in control right. and they're not having to give up silly goals. <laughs> it yeah. Is like yeah. So, um, Brent on the chat saying six, I think I saw Niall saying six as well. Um, both saying seven. I think he's talking about Parada. Um, but, yeah. um, yeah, it seems like 8.5. 8.5. Yeah. I don't know if 8.5 is like a representation representation, but, um, yeah, seems like a few of you have, are, you know, quite on board with what we thought. Um, but what did FOTMOB say? FOTMOB gave him a 6.9. Okay, okay. So yep. we're sort of on one of the same lines. Yep. Um, yeah, we've got one more, I think, before yep. Jake Ziff comes down. We're still we're going to have him on in just a little bit, but we have one more player to get to. Yep, the last one going to be... Drum roll, please. The man himself, who oh. he needs some love, Miguel Barry. I don't know if you all saw the reaction video uh, from Mike Conte and Jason Longshore yeah. on the Atlanta United Twitter. Um, but yeah, what you got from Miguel? A nine. A nine. Okay. I, nine, I was gonna yeah. say. I was gonna say eight. Okay. Eight. Um, absolute banger. And. Yeah. Yeah, I asked him last night, hey, is this a time where you kind of hope the floodgates would open? And he agreed. I mean, he's a striker. He's out to get goals. And he's been on I just a so. dreadful. Yeah, exactly. And we talked about this. He's just been on a dreadful run of form. Uh, he came on strong, of course, with Columbus. And 
since then hasn't been able to put it all together, uh, has just kind of faded for um, whatever reason. But hopefully last night was a stake in the ground and a sight of what's to come for Miguel for the rest of the season. A really, really well-taken goal and just a sensational strike. And yeah, hopefully yep. it's, it's a goal that gets him going in the right direction. Yeah, and and I think you have to look at it and, and say that was an absolute golasso. So you can't go and expect every week for this guy to go and score a banger like that. Right. Nobody's doing that. <laughs> but he even said it last night when we were in the locker room, and he was asked, you know, how, how did it feel like when, when you took that shot? And he, he, he essentially said, when you if you play the game, if you've ever played the game, when you strike one like that, you know it. You don't even have to look. Yeah. And it, exactly. it was right when it left his foot. You could tell it was something special. And then from our angle, it was a matter of is it on target? But you mm-hmm. knew it was struck well. Yeah. And, um, it's like Steph Curry sometimes when he throws <laughs> three just yeah. turns around and yeah. just walks away. So yeah, he he but he just he hit it. You know, I think it was his first and second touch of the match when he walked, <laughs> and um, just Crazy. just beautiful. I'm I'm just happy for him. And I think yeah. it, you don't expect him to go and score goals like that on, or, on the regular. But what you do hope is that it gives him the confidence to just go and score goals in general, whether they're tap-ins or whatever. You need your backup striker doing something. Mm-hmm. It's clear Yakimakis is going to be in and out. They're being very, very careful with him. It's what Pineda told me down in Orlando specifically. Yeah, They're being extra careful. So I'm just happy for the guy. So I, I, you can't really say much else. I just feel yeah. bad for him. The fact that then the – it's given up moments later. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, now it's like eight, uh, Bill's saying 8.5, uh, Penyum saying 8.5, <laughs> Jimmy Steve saying 9.9. Yeah, I don't know about that. Bruno saying 10. Yeah, I don't know about that either. But yeah, what does, um, what does FOTMOP say? FOTMOP did not rate him because he didn't have enough time. Oh, okay. Which I think is unfair. <laughs> Interesting decision. Um, okay. Yeah. So, all right. We have plenty more news to talk about, but that is that is our, our ratings, player ratings portion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get into all the other news and everything else, we have a very special guest, returning special guest. And we cover back on, and I know he's probably super tired because he's been going nonstop. <laughs> yeah. Meg Zivin. Hey, guys. Welcome Good back. Good evening for, for you guys in Atlanta. It's still the afternoon for me. I'm back home in Portland after uh, a whirlwind 24 hours in Atlanta and still yeah. decompressing from, from last <laughs> night. Yeah. That was a wild one. That was definitely wild. Great goal calls, by the way. I went back and I was able to, to listen to them, and I'm, that, all of them were just – they were, they were fun. They were really thank, fun. Oh, thank you. We had a good time calling the game. I, a little out of my vocal range on Barry's goal, so I'm, I'll be a big self-critic on that. That's that's a no-no for me. I want that one back. But, yeah, it, it was a, it was a fun game to call. And, I, actually, I thought it was good. I thought, actually, yeah. that was my favorite one. I mean, all, all right, a little biased. Right. But that, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I would, I would I hope it. you prefer that over Carlos. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yes. Yeah, the Carlos Hills goals were my favorite. Yeah. Don't blame me. So, um, so you were here in Atlanta. You were yep. also with the team in Orlando, and now you're back at it again. Yeah, next week we've got three in a row. It's kind of nice, yeah. a little run with Atlanta United. Yeah, I, know. You know, I mean, you're just becoming a regular with it with yeah with the five stripes. Let's go. <laughs> hey, if they can play like they did last night, 
um, we'll take it every time. And I know the result is disappointing, but I think if you were to show somebody that entire game and you just cut out the goals, right? Like, so you show them 84 minutes and you say six goals were scored. I would think that the person watching would say, oh, Atlanta maybe won six nil, right? Or five one, you know, I mean, it was dominant. The whole and and look a goal twenty three seconds in that's going to change the game state completely in the favor of a game that Atlanta is going to dominate, especially at home. And New England's going to going to sit back a little more. But I thought Atlanta was really good. I think this is the best we've seen them, and we've called several Atlanta matches now outside of maybe that first half in Charlotte. Um, you know, but for a full ninety minutes, I think this was the best we saw of Atlanta. And obviously, uh, you know, three tough moments. Um, you know, two two kind of predictive, um, two particularly on in the fi- first minute and in the last minute. Um, and what, you know, is a dominant performance, not a dominant performance ends up being a, a draw. And that's, yeah. that's tough. So let me ask you this, because you were in Orlando and you saw, obviously saw the game and, and kind of what Atlanta brought down there. Oof. What was the biggest difference for you between the Orlando match and this one? Yeah. I mean, first of all, they, they, I think they got on the ball, right. And, and, which Atlanta wants to do, right? Atlanta wants to dominate in possession. They want to dominate with the ball. They weren't able to do that against Orlando for, for whatever reason. I thought Almada was off um, against Orlando. How many passes out of bounds, you know, into touch did he have in Orlando? That was, I think, the worst we've seen. Tiago Almada, again, from the games that we've called in person, maybe the worst he's played in, in every game this season. I've watched the majority of, of Atlanta's games in total. Um he was. I thought he was great last night. I thought he was on from from the opening whistle, um, and and that that makes a huge difference. But look, they just they were able to to get on the ball, and it, to, to me, it looked like vintage Atlanta United at home at Mercedes Benz Stadium. It's a it's a big pitch, and it just feels. I mean, you guys will know this. You watch so many games there. It just feels so expansive that stadium and Atlanta when they when they are able to to get their spacing right and you're switching it from from right to left. There's just feels like there's acres of room for them, and with the one v one players that Atlanta's always had, it's like so scary. I feel like uh, if if you're an opposing team and from a neutral, it's thrilling and it's just like it's it's exhilarating because it feels like man that this is just it's a track meet almost. Um, and 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 I thought they were able to get into that type of game last night, which, which always helps them and plays into their hands. And they, they weren't able to in Orlando for whatever reason. Um, I think they were just sharp, you know, I, I, that's probably, uh, I haven't, haven't had a chance to listen to Gonzalo Pineda's post game comments yet. And we'll talk to him in a couple days before the LAFC game. So we'll get his, get his thoughts on that. But, um, I imagine he'd be, be quite happy with, with how his team played right for the vast majority of the game. And it's tough. Yeah, that's, I, that's how the sport is. Yeah, it is. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, Tyler and I went in there um, after the match, and you know, Pinedo was saying, "Look, there's a nasty taste in our mouth, bad taste in our mouth." And yeah. can you blame him? I mean, it's just the highs of the football, right? You go down two nil. Um, keeper has a howler um, on the opening goal inside of thirty seconds. Yeah. Um, you go down two nil. Uh, carry that into the locker room. You fight back. Eventually, take the lead, and then you give up a late goal, which has been symptomatic of Atlanta United a lot of times this season and Tyler and I were talking before you came on my goodness if Atlanta United hadn't given up as many late goals as they have um, they'd probably be atop the standings or close to it and but they say look we just got to keep working 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 and training and training and training and watching film and really hammering this home and my biggest fear is you know if 
and Lenny and Nido don't get this right sooner rather than later, it's going to be questions of whether the team is really tuning him out and whether the message is sinking in. I mean, we saw with Neville getting fired earlier. You have to wonder if the message doesn't start sinking in for Lenny United, how how much longer does Pineda have? But man, yeah, I don't, you know that's a, that's obviously a question for Garth Lagerway ultimately at, at the top, and you know that that's not something that I feel equipped to to speculate in in a way. I mean, um, again, like they, they played well last night, right? I, I agree with you on the moment. Twenty three seconds in, Bragasan and he, he admits it. He, he admitted it in the moment, right? He patted his chest. Like, that's on him. He's just got to clear yep. that ball to midfield. Yep. Like you can't blame Gonzalo Pineda for that. Right. I mean, Brad Gazan is the most experienced goalkeeper in this league. Um, you know, maybe the most experienced player in this league. So that, but it happens. Um, they fought back to me that that showed a lot. Um, and I know Gonzalo was happy with them doing that in Orlando as well, because it was a game where they, they weren't good and they weren't at their best. And that happens. And a lot of teams, when they have games like that and they give up a goal 30 minutes in on the road, it just spirals and they can't stay in the game. And one becomes two, becomes three, and it's over. And you go home and you, you were never in it. Um, Atlanta did well enough. And because Al Pineda talked to us about this, he praised his, his team for staying in the game when they weren't great, knowing that a, 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 an opportunity would come late. Uh, and it did. And Tyler Wolf scores. It's 1 1. And, and frankly, they could have won it. Matchup Chol could have won it. You know, a few minutes later, maybe should have won it. Yeah, right? And so they were the team at the end that looked more likely to, to steal the three points. Um, kind of uh, the opposite game of, in, in some ways of what we saw last night in Atlanta um, where New England was able to, to steal the three points. So, yeah, I think you mentioned that the late goals conceded that it's a problem. They also scored a bunch of late goals, which is a positive. They score goals throughout the whole game. They give up goals throughout the whole game. Um, I'm sure that's something that, that they're working on. I'm sure that's something, obviously, that that they're talking about. And you know, is Gonzalo playing on the hot seat? I don't know. I, I think it'd be early for that, to be honest. I mean, they're still in, what, fifth place in, in the Eastern Conference um, after last night. Is that what it is? So they're yeah, still with, yeah, yeah, within touching distance. And, and the East is is really compact. The East is really good this year. Um, when you look at the East compared to the West, but the Miami on 15 points, it's not great, but you know, 19 is below the playoff line in the East. 19 would be above it in the West. You've got teams on, on 12 um, in the West, and, and it's just a little more competitive, I think, in the East. Um, yeah, Atlanta is still in fifth. Yeah, for me, too early for that. But you know, people, uh, yeah, above me. And, and it's, look, there's going to be a challenge in 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 the summer with Le, maybe an opportunity as well, right? With Luis Arushu going back uh, to Brazil in a, less than a month now, in, yeah. in June 24th, it's going to be his last game, at least as of now. Um, do they fill that spot in the summer? And what that it, or not? Or are they patient? Right? I think that. That will play a lot also into what the rest of the season is going to look like for Atlanta. Tiago Almada, does, is there an offer they can't refuse that comes in the next month? Miles um, Robinson, you know, like it, it, what happens with him? Does he sign a pre-contract? Does that affect him? Um, does he sign an extension? And does that affect him? You know, I don't know. So a lot's going to come over the next month or two that I think will affect the, the second half of the season. Yeah, it, it, and it's interesting as well because statistically, and and it's a lot of statistics that they factor in, but Atlanta's schedule is the hardest right now for the rest of the season. And again, I, I don't know what all factors into that, but a lot of it is yeah. goal scored, you know, things like that. Sure. But it doesn't get much easier. But I think the big thing is the big variable is that summer transfer window because you never know 
what a team's going to look like depending on what they do and what they move in the summer. But as it stands right now, where you've kind of been from your seat, looking in at a bunch of different teams, who, in your opinion, is the team in MLS to beat right now? I still think it's LAFC uh, with apologies to Cincinnati, right? And, and Cincinnati deserves a ton of credit. They're 1A or sorry, 1B maybe for me, but I still think LAFC is, is 1A. I still think when LAFC is full powered, um, you know, they are, are the most talented team in the league and they are at times unstoppable. Can't wait for Sunday night. Um, the last five minutes of that game was wild last night. And what went from one moment thinking it's 3 0, uh, this could be over, to all of a sudden it's 2 1 going back to, to LA. Man, you know, now they're right in it and, and in, a, in a good position. I don't want to say an advantageous position. You want to be up or at least high level going into that second game, but still, it's, it's, a, it's all games on, right? Um, at, at BMO. So I still think they, they are the best um of what we've seen and, and we've seen them you know a couple times at their best i think we've seen them a lot this year and and then cincinnati has got to, you know they're on um crazy pace right now i believe they've matched the best 15 game start in the yeah. post shootout era um incredibly impressive they keep winning 8 0 at home is insanely impressive to be literally perfect um so yeah can they keep that up Maybe, right? I mean, I didn't think New England could keep up the record pace a couple of years ago. I didn't think LAFC before that. Rep, I mean, the, the, the points record has gone down. Um, it, it's been broken, what, like three years in a row? It's been, not last year, but before that, it was three years yeah, in a row. because Atlanta was on you pace don't count to do the, it. You can't, you can't uh, uh, you know, count the COVID year. Right, Atlanta, um, but then New York passed them on, on the final yeah. day, right, in 18. Atlanta won MLS Cup, so they're happy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> LAFC did it in 19. 2021 COVID there we play 23 games doesn't count then 2021 new England. And then yeah. last year obviously it didn't happen, but so three, you know, it was three years in a row and you thought, okay, they're one of like this record's on top. This record's on top of Well, maybe, maybe Cincinnati can, can stay on this pace and, and yep. can do it again. I agree. Um, LAFC obviously, cause I, I do agree. The LAFC's consistently been the, the, better or I don't want to say best, but one of the better teams, one of the top teams over the past couple of seasons for sure. Uh, looking at it with their CCL match last night, and of course that's what's going to be happening. From an Atlanta perspective, do you feel that changes anything about the the way that Atlanta should be preparing for this game? Knowing oh, yeah. what they're going I'd, to be doing? Yeah, I'd watch the Open Cup games and not the MLS games. That's what I would do if I were like, look, I don't know. But if they win, I, I regardless, they're playing on sun, Sunday to Wednesday, and especially if they win, yeah. I cannot see, um, you know, Steve Chirondolo running it back with two but three days later, um, you know, seventy less than seventy two hours after that game wraps up. I don't know. We, we haven't talked to Steve uh, about this. You know, I'm sure, honestly, I'm sure John Strong and Steve Holden would have good insight because they've been having these broadcast meetings <laughs> about ahead of these games. Um, and Steve's a good guy and, and transparent guy. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I'd be, I'd just from my view, I'd be surprised if if it's really any starters except maybe some really young guys. Um, you know, and, and they they're deep. That's the thing. I mean, they're four deep in the midfield. Uh, when healthy, they're four deep at. At center back, they're three deep at, at the outside back positions, um, four, five, five deep really in that in that line of three. So it might be Mateus Bogush and Stipe Buke starting or Poku, you know, whichever 
two of those three don't start on Sunday, you see them start, and those are, are good players. Um, but you might be seeing some some of the homegrown, some of the young guys, uh, you know, Eric Duenas, uh, Ordaz up top, Nathan Ordaz up top. We'll see. I don't know, but that would be that would be my guess. Yakupovich in goal. Um, I think, especially if they win, right? I mean, that's going to be a celebration, and Wednesday yeah. will continue that celebration <laughs> off the field and on the field. I would uh, for the big guys. Yeah, so you mentioned the Bwanga, um pulling one back for LAFC and really changing the complexion of the tie. Um, they're back at BMO on Sunday night. I, mean, I got to ask you, did they? Are they able to overcome it? I mean, not overcome it. I mean, it's one goal. Yeah. I believe right. away goals is not being counted. So one goal forces penalties. Two goals gets you the trophy. So what do you think yeah. happens? I I I think so. You know, I, I don't think yeah. we've. I mean, we haven't seen anything from LAFC to doubt their ability in these types of games and these types of moments with this kind of current group under Steve Trundle, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they came back in, in MLS Cup at home, yeah. forced penalties, and, and they won. Um, this year, they have been so good and, and dominant, really. They hadn't trailed in a match for like 12 games, really. And I don't count the second leg against Elo Palenze as trailing. They were up 3-0 after the first leg. If you give up a couple goals in that second leg, you're not trailing because the, the score of that 90 minutes, the second leg does not matter. All that matters is the aggregate. So I don't count that. So it was over 10 games into the season before somebody actually took the lead on them this year. Um, I, I just, I think they're that big game team if they need to, and, I, and I'm not sure how much this plays into it, but if they need to gain some confidence in themselves, they just need to look back three years, 2020 CCL, I guess it was the round of 16. It was right before the pandemic. Um, they played Lyon, they lost two nil on the road and they came back and they won. They dominated. I mean, dominated the second leg at home and they won three nil. And they made it to the quarterfinals, which of course ended up not happening until like November in a bubble in Orlando because it was the pandemic. They made it to the final, so the CCL that year uh, in that bubble and, and lost to Grace. But you know, and they were up in that game for for most of it, one nil. I, I think they'll, I think they'll have confidence. They feel, they just feel like that big game team, right? They feel like the mm-hmm. team that does step up in the big moment. And not every team is like that. And you kind of have to, as we know through all sports, right? It, whether it be the Bulls having to overcome the Pistons in, in I'm a Chicago <laughs> guy, so that, that's what I go to immediately. Right? But you kind of yeah. you kind of have to 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 get that. We saw it with not just this year, but, but specifically this year, we saw Arsenal in the Premier League, right? Like you just you've got to like they didn't have that. They didn't have that ability to like to when it matters to to close the deal. And you kind of have to develop that as a team, not necessarily earn it, but develop it and gain that. And it does feel like LAFC does have that characteristic. I'm, I'm, you know, full transparency. I'm not as familiar in with Lyon, um, obviously sure. as I am with LAFC. They looked very, very good uh, last night. And again, it could have been more. Probably, maybe should have been more uh, than than two for them. And maybe they should have put it away. But I, I think LAFC feels like a team for a moment, and um, I think they'll be. I think. Yeah, and I feel like LAFC. And kind of bring it back to the lady night. I feel like LAFC are the team that Atleti United strive to be because Atleti United always say, hey, we want to be a big club. We want to win trophies. We want to become the biggest club in the hemisphere. And, you know, they say that, but a lot of times I feel like it's just hollow. It's just uh, just words because you haven't really seen it. Uh, but here's LAFC. Now you want M- MLS Cup. Mm, yeah. a, a, a final for the ages last year. 
You're on the verge of winning CONCACAF Champions League. You want the Supporter Shield in 2022. Um, this is an organization that is probably one of the most well-run in MLS. Uh, Seattle, um, Lagerway, of course, coming from there. Um, they want, they've won multiple trophies. They're in the mix every year. So I feel like, you know, the model for MLS clubs at this point in time, I at least, is LAFC. I feel like Atlanta United, in that regard, are kind of playing catch-up. I, I think in this moment, you're probably right. I think mm. if we had had this conversation three years ago, it would have been the exact opposite. Right. Said, Atlanta is the model, and they did it year two. And LAFC tried to emulate it. They came in and they wanted to be success on the field-wise. And I mean, off the field, they're different. They're, they're both extraordinarily successful off the field, but in kind of different ways, you know, 65 or 70,000 seat stadium versus this 20,000 seat ultra premium, ultra celebrity stadium in LAFC. But, um, but different, right? So, so on the field, however, very similar, I think, um, expectations and goals coming in as expansion teams and Atlanta did it. I mean, they won in year two, right? And then LAFC, they, they broke this, uh, the, as we just said, they broke, as I just said, they broke the single season points record in their year two in 2019. Carlos Vela had the best individual season in league history in 2019. And they didn't get it done. They were upset by Seattle in the, in the Western conference final. So if we were having this conversation heading into the 2020 season, or even, a, you know, even like in that, in the, break right in the pandemic break and we were having this chat we would have said atlanta is what lafc wanted to be on the field right and they did it in that year too it's, it's probably flipped a little bit now and i agree that right now lafc are the on-field front runners in mls um and they've been extremely successful they they won their mls cup they won the supporter shield they did the double last year now they're in the ccl final if they if they win that for me it's not the treble right i mean i think that it would be the first step for the the rest of the year i, mm. I, I think you don't count you know it, it's within a calendar year so there's probably some little debate there uh but for me it'd be this year supporter shield and mls cup that you have to add on to ccl um for, for it to be a treble but yeah um i mean they're 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 flying and so I agree with you, but I also think if you're an Atlanta fan, you know, it's a real short memory if you're kind of getting down in that regard because just a few years ago you were that, right? And and can yeah. still be that and have certainly an ownership group and a club that is committed to trying to be that. Um, and, you know, again, it's not for lack of trying because they've spent so much money and, and they've had success in that regard, of course, um, with, with Miguel and they've had some times where it didn't work out. Um, and, and certainly now have big success with Tiago Almada as well. So, yeah, yeah it, it's funny though. It's funny how a couple, I mean, that's the thing in sports, right? I mean, you wait a couple years and maybe it'll be a different team that everybody is. Right. Yeah. I'll say this real quick too. Um, you know, you don't, you don't want to play, co- you don't really want to play copycat in MLS. Um, Jim Carter was saying a few weeks ago, you know, there are a lot of different ways to win in yeah. MLS. We, we talked about FC Cincinnati, certainly, Nowhere near what LAFC is from a roster building standpoint. What they're doing up there, um, Philly, you know, yeah. really rely on their academy. So a lot of different yeah. ways to do it in MLS, like Curtin said. Yeah, and I think though, see, they're not. Maybe they're. It's easy to compare Cincinnati and Philly because of Chris Albright and Pat yeah. coming from Philly exactly. and having so much success. Right. But but it's different, like you said. I mean, Philly's Philly has their model, which is. In, in some ways, maybe the most impressive model in, in MLS history because of what they're doing without a huge budget, without spending a lot of money. And they did spend a lot of money on their academy and building out that infrastructure over, what, a decade. And it has been 
extraordinarily successful and is so commendable and so impressive. Cincinnati obviously hasn't done it that way. Um, they also haven't quite done the LAFC Atlanta way, but they they were very smart to go hire two people from this extraordinarily successful organization in Philadelphia. Um, and it has been extremely impressive how quickly Chris Albright and Pat Noonan have gotten that Cincinnati team turned around to now we're at the point like, yeah, you hear Cincinnati and you think they're really good. I mean, 16 months ago, you heard Cincinnati and you think you're going to win six nil. It's crazy how quick, that's what I mean. It's crazy how quickly those narratives and those thought processes can change in all sports and, and particularly in this league. Um, and Cincinnati, they, you know, they certainly, they spend more, much more than Philadelphia. Right. And I think that's something that Pat Noonan has, has talked about. Um, and that, that there's, there's an opportunity there for Cincinnati because they are willing to spend a more than Philly. Um, don't know that they can get, you know, their Academy homegrown situation to what Philly is. Um, that's a, that's maybe a different task, um, but they can spend more. So it's, it's a little bit more of a, it's a different opportunity. I would say for, for Pat Noonan than what Jim Curtin is, is doing in Philly. When you when you look at these kind of one, I don't want to say one off, but these matches, um, because you know they play Cincinnati twice a year, right? It, it's at some point it was it was more than that, but um, not taking into account like this year the League's Cup is happening and all, but you you kind of get a sense of the history, the head to head between the teams, right? Atlanta LAFC, West Coast East Coast, the difference, you know, I think at one point, yeah, like you guys were talking about, you you could compare. Atlanta maybe set that standard. LAFC took it and ran with it. Yep. And now here we are. Uh, Atlanta's kind of in a rebuild, I think, is what most people would say. LA is is flying high with what they've got right now. Do you look at the stats, at the the head-to-head over the, the couple times that they've played, and do you take any stock in that? Because I know fans will look at that and say, all right, well, you know, there's been lots of goals, barring the, the most recent one, but, you know, Atlanta's won a couple – the one that they didn't win was was very crazy. What do you kind of expect this one to be? And do you look at those past matches and take anything at all from it? I think you can sometimes in in this particular situation. It it might be more difficult, right? It's it's been um, a year and a half, and it's you know Bob Bradley's not in LA anymore. Though there's some you know there's still of course Carlos Vela, and there's some some similar personnel, but. Um, there's a lot of change on that on that roster uh, as well. Uh, you know, Atlanta now um, is is a different team as well than than they were the last time they played, and certainly far different from those those early games um, when when you had Miguel and, and then even you know in in 2019. So for me, I think it, it always depends, right? If if it's two rivals playing against each other, Atlanta, Orlando, I think sure you can kind of you take from from those past games and um, particularly Atlanta's success, unprecedented success in Orlando. And I do think that plays into it because there's always going to be kind of people that remember that. And, and that's for, you know on both sides where there's kind of part of their psyche leading up. I'm not sure um, for this one. I, I wish teams played each other um, every, every year. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a, a, you know, a take of mine, an opinion of mine that um, the ideal MLS schedule was when you played everybody in your conference in a home and home and everybody in the other conference once either home or on the road. And then the next year it would flip. Um, obviously with expansion, that's no longer possible, but they could get creative. And, and I, I have no idea what the people are, what the, you know, the board of governors, what, what the league is thinking in this regard, but there are opportunities coming up with, you know, I think maybe 32 teams and four divisions of eight and playing your seven 
uh, division mates twice for 14 games and then playing the other 24 teams once. Now you're going to a 38-game schedule. That's a lot, but at least it's that balance and everybody sees everybody. I don't know that that's even in anybody's mind. 38 might be considered untenable, too many games, um, and that might also be considered not enough home and homes against kind of regional rivals, so to speak. But I think from an overall season perspective, a supporter shield perspective, that's a format that that I like. Um, I think it's difficult to give a supporter shield to uh, in a season with such an unbalanced schedule when what you're only playing the other conference six times. So each team isn't seeing uh, another team, another eight or nine teams. Um, it's tough, right? I mean, yeah. that, that can really vary your schedule in a big way and how difficult it is and whether, if those games are at home or not. So yeah. anyway, that was my, that was my little MLS scheduling rant, but for me, I, mean, so for me, I wish I, we got to see Atlanta and LAFC play every year and one year is be in Atlanta. The next year it'd be, uh, in LA. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I find myself sometimes when I'm looking at the standings because I, I want to hold this, this team to a, a very high standard, but I mean, they do too, right? That's yeah, of course what they hang their hat on, but I look at the standings and I constantly just take, I'm not looking at the Eastern conference. I want to know how close they are to the top. I'm looking at it like a, the rest of the world, you know, are we in the top four? Cause that's where they should be overall. And, uh, you know, but I think when if you could go to a schedule like that, it would. I think it's f- more fair. First of all, I mean, you have a league that has such parity, and you may and I don't know any kind of stats on this kind of thing, but you you may go to a a flip flopping team one year and play them, and then not play them again. You know, for for two years, and you'll get them both times when they're they're good and skip the year when they're bad. You know, so totally, it is it is definitely a. Uh, a thing that I hope that they can settle soon, but I understand that the expansions definitely make that difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And look, the, the distance traveling in this country makes that all yeah. challenging as well. Right. And that, that might be another reason not to do it. Um, what the way I described with your 32 teams and they got to get to 32 teams first for that to even be a consideration, but um, that, yeah, that, that could be a very legitimate, legitimate reason not to is um, you know, is you're, you're, you're traveling a lot and that, brings a lot more travel longer travel into it than if you have home and homes with with the cities the teams that are that are more 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 of the cities more of the teams that are closer so as we kind of wrap up uh i know we we're talking about your call uh barry's goal and certainly heel's goal uh, toward the end but uh i think tyler and i were kind of getting a kick out of uh, taylor's reaction <laughs> toward the end I, I i feel like more so the second goal than the first goal right i mean just it was excitement and like just off the charts, really. I feel like that's what it is, right? I think it's it's excitement. <laughs> you know, we're looking at each other in the booth. Look, both of us, we both love this league. We love this sport, mm-hmm. and, and like anybody, we love those moments. And this was a wild game, and it was yeah. so entertaining to call for us. Probably the the most fun that we've game that was the most fun that we've called this year we've called some great ones in el trafico uh, mm-hmm. portland seattle but that uh just the way it, you know went back and forth and atlanta going down and then needing to come back and being so good and you're just waiting for the goals but they can't find it so there's this tension that makes this game so great is how can they find yeah. that goal and the build and the build and the build and then they get one and then you're building 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 for another and you, they're still going they're still pushing and they're building 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 and they find what they think is the winner and then for Carlos Hill to just stab everybody in the heart 
uh, with, you know, a minute to go. It's just uh, from a neutral perspective, uh, right? It's just wonderful drama and it's thrilling. And I know for from an Atlanta perspective, it is heartbreaking and it is deflating. And that stadium was as stunned as any stadium I've seen and been in uh, mm-hmm. for a final whistle. But for us, it's uh, it's thrilling to, to call games like that. So, yeah, I think we were just, just living the moment, right, and, and excited for that moment. And no matter what team it was that scored that goal in that moment, no matter what the shirt said um, on the team that, you know, that was winning, the team that was yeah. losing, the team that equalized, um, you know, the reaction would have been the exact same. For sure, yeah. It was almost storybook for Atlanta. Almost. I'll say this, it was almost extremely impressive, right? And, and, yeah. and it, again, and you, you take away those moments, it was, but just to, to fight back in that way, there are a Absolutely. lot of teams that would, that would hang their heads, especially with, you know, like you said, they've, they have conceded a lot of late goals and they've, they've dropped, they've been some, in, it's just been a lot of inconsistent performances this season for Atlanta. We talked to mm-hmm. Gonzalo Pineda about that and, and I asked him, you know, how do you, I was like, that's how it looks from the outside. Do you feel that way? And he said, yeah. And it's not just game to game. It's within games. We'll have a good half. We'll have a bad half. And uh, that's something that they're very aware of and that they're, they're, they're working on. Um, and when you've had a season like that and then the game goes like it did in the first half and you're getting into halftime and you're down two nothing and you feel like we had 72% of possession, you know, yeah. and, and we're down two nothing. Like, and one was definitely our mistake big time. Second one, there's all sorts of things you can look at about how you defended it, but it's less of a big error, right. That leads right. to a goal. Um, the first just was your gifting New England a goal, but it'd be easy to hang your heads at halftime in, in a situation like that. Right. If, if you're Atlanta and they didn't, they came out, same as they were in the first half and they were pushing and they were pushing and they found not just two, which would have probably been kind of satisfying, but they found all three and that is extremely impressive and difficult for teams to do. Uh, and, and, you know, if they just can, can lock it down a little better then then everybody's thinking, wow, what a performance, right? I mean, if Carlos Silas has scored that goal, the narrative, and this isn't to excuse it because, you got to play the full 90 minutes and, and the most important thing in this game are, are scoring goals or conceding goals. But if he doesn't score that goal, the narrative is like, let's go Atlanta. What a performance from them, right? To, to go down the way they did and then to still dominate for 90 minutes and find a way back and win. What a performance from, from Gonzalo Pineda and Atlanta United. He made the right move, brought on Miguel Barry at the perfect time who scored, broke his, uh, what a story, by the yeah. way. We haven't talked about that. I know you guys were talking about Miguel right before I came on. What a story. 33 games he hadn't scored. This is a guy. Remember when he kind of, I mean, burst onto the scene in Columbus, there was a lot of hype. He he was very successful and he was getting praise from a lot of people and there was a lot of hype. And it was almost him and Brandon Vasquez were like neck and neck at that point in their careers. Mm. And then Miguel Barry just kind of went to a a year-long goal drought. 1,600 minutes without a goal. 33 games. And it must have been so frustrating for him. I mean, I can't imagine um, and then to score to break it the way he did with that ridiculous goal in to give Atlanta the lead in that type of game right after coming on. What, what a story. What a great moment for him. No um, and that would have been the, the storybook of it, like you said, for, for instance, if not yeah. for, yeah, Carlos Hill. Yeah. And I think it is easy as an Atlanta fan to look at this because of the result at the end. And I don't think there has been enough praise and it's it's not anybody's fault and to his credit Pineda did bring it up last night specifically but the the fact like you said the fact that they fought back was immense 
that that's that shows a lot. Now, if they could consistently do that, then we're talking about a, a lot of of a lot of improvement. I think a yeah. lot more points on the table. Uh, they just got to figure out how to consistently do it. So, yeah, I think ultimately, I feel like for me, ultimately, you'd rather be the team that the mentality seems to be there, and yeah. you are consistently fighting, and you're you're giving up goals and points because of mistakes and moments than the team that doesn't have the mentality there. And the moment one thing goes bad in a game, it all just snowballs and you yep. don't have a chance, right? You'd rather be that team where you look at it and it's correctable. The next time, Brad Gazan is not going to try to play that ball the next time, right? Yeah. And he knows it. He knows it now. He knew it the moment it happened. He's just going to send that ball to midfield or into Rosie in Somewhere. the stands, right? Yeah. Somewhere. And then it and then and it doesn't happen. And it's right. So so it's moments that are correctable. And I feel like if if you if you everybody you take a deep breath and you calm down, you'd rather be in that situation than the moment happened, then because the, those moments are gonna happen. Then the team the moment happens and the heads go down and it's you're done. Right. Exactly. And you're just you're out of it and you don't play a good game and you lose because your heads went down 23 seconds in because you made a mistake. And and Atlanta's not that team. We've We've seen that they're not that team, yeah. and, and that I think is positive. Yeah, that's definitely a good shout. Um, I know you got to go. I want to get you get you yeah. out. Of I know you're tired. I know you're super tired. <laughs> I did, I did take a nap when I got home. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Uh, <laughs> final quick one: Where does Taylor Twelman buy his shorts at? <laughs> hey, all, I got, all I'm going to say is because there are some stories to tell, some stories that are not mine to tell. When you have him on next, ask yep. him why he was wearing shorts last night. I absolutely and will. And he'll, t- he'll tell you the story. Yeah. I'll absolutely <laughs> tell him. Yeah. Whenever he's ready, come back on. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. So next get week, come back on. He'll tell you why he was wearing shorts. I will, a lovely <laughs> lilac color, weren't they? Oh, Maybe they were more lavender. You know what's yeah, funny? Really nice. You guys walked up and shook hands and everything, and I did not see him at all. Like, I didn't see <laughs> his bottom half because he was behind the table. Right. I walked up, shook your hand, shook his hand, and I was like, Oh wow, he's wearing shorts. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. He usually waits until it's like an outdoor ninety degree day. Time. Right. So so you know, I was in Portland for so many years and him mm. ESPN would take like all the big summer games in Portland. So there'd be all these two PM ninety degree games. Yeah. And, and in Portland, I don't know if you guys have been there. There's an outdoor oh. catwalk to get to because it's a 95 year old stadium. You yeah. walk yeah. like on this catwalk above the fans to get to the broadcast booths and the press box. So you're just like everybody can can see. And Taylor would always wear shorts, and so every everybody, all Portland supporters that I run into, will ask me like, "Does he really wear shorts to every game?" I'm like, no, only only the hot ones. Only, only the hot ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, he pulled it off last night. Yeah. Did, but ask, like ask him, ask him so, why he was wearing them last night. I absolutely will. We will. <laughs> um, Jake, we appreciate it. Get out of here. I know. You, Cheers, I guys. Yeah, always a pleasure. Busy. Always a pleasure. Uh, we got, we got the game on on Wednesday, so everybody tune in on, on MLS season pass on Apple TV uh, in LA. Camp man, for me, it's uh, it's a short trip down to LA, so I'm looking. Yeah, that'd that be one. good for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right, man. Thanks so yeah. much. Cheers, Thanks, Jake. Appreciate it. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I'd love to hear that story, by the way. Yeah, I know. When he walked up, I was like, this guy's wearing shorts. Right. Like, like Tommy Bahama shorts or something. Like, yeah. I, I like he it. did. Caught me by surprise. Yeah, he really did. Best not to ask questions, though. I actually, uh, I I'll, accidentally, I was telling you this yesterday, I accidentally called him Tyler. I don't think he noticed it. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's close enough. It's one letter. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly.
no great great having jake on uh definitely didn't want to keep him long but that, that right. they have been going on i mean all of the mls announcers have been going non-stop but um always great to have him on and mm-hmm. love the inside i mean and, and a lot of good points but definitely like i think we kind of reiterate the last kind of main point that we were talking about but you do have to give the team credit for for fighting back right like mm-hmm. it they could have easily easily after that first goal went in just turned off but they they were better in every way except for the three stupid goals and yeah. you know it, it is frustrating and you got it you have to figure out a way to fix that but you 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 didn't put your head down the second goal goes in you still don't put your head down right you go into the locker room which Pineda said was quiet at halftime and yeah. there was no need apparently to flip tables or throw chairs or anything like that they, they had rice. a conversation and they said let's go get it and they did and that's good uh now if they can just figure out how to stop giving up these silly goals then we'll be all right yeah Oh, exactly. Right. You can't you can't make those mistakes against LAFC, and we'll talk about LAFC in a little bit. But you know, Jake talked about it. This is a deep club that Lady United are taking on next Wednesday at BMO Stadium. I mean, a you have a cross country road trip. Um, B, I mean, it's hard enough to win away. It's probably even more tough for Lady United to win away. I mean, it hasn't happened a whole lot, so. I guess, I don't know, maybe we can segue into LEFC. I mean, we talked about it earlier. Um, they're going to be coming off, you know, three matches. In the, it'll be their, their match in eight days next week. And they'll be playing four matches in an 11-day span. I definitely agree with Jake. We're not going to see a lot of first-team players on the pitch for a lady, or for LEFC next Wednesday. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, so, I guess with that in mind... It's got to be a point or bust, right, for Atlanta United. I mean, given the fact that it should be a very heavily rotated lineup for LAFC next Wednesday. Um, but is there maybe an opening to get three points in a very hostile environment, given the fact that LAFC will be very heavily rotated? I mean, it could be that, you know, Torondolo, depending on the state of the match, Maybe brings on one or two players that would normally be in this eleven to try to get three points. Um, it's going to be challenging either way. Um, Wednesday night, last night, kind of throws things for a loop because it had to have been three points. Um, I mean, even though Atlanta and United fought back, you can't go down two nil in your own building. Yeah, especially if you want to want this place to be a fortress. But that really changes the complexion of how Lady United approach Wednesday, I think, with the rotated lineups for LESC. That kind of, like I said, gets kind of an opening for a win on the road. Something that Lady United haven't been able to do a whole lot of in the past yeah. few years. I think if you go on the road and you beat LAFC, whether they're using their second team or not, and, and if they if they go and they get the point or the three points, the the narrative from a lot of people, mostly LA fans, would be, "Oh, you beat our second team after we were hung over." Like, whatever, I don't care. Like, it's three points. Wins a win. Yeah, wins yeah. a win. Um, because then when we see you guys in the playoffs, we'll hopefully have a slightly better squad, and then we'll be having a real match to talk about. But <laughs> I think you got to go, and you got to, you got to. I mean, you should always be playing for three points. But I feel like that narrative sometimes in MLS, it's so easy to be like, "Oh, well, you'll settle for a point because it's away." I. I hate that. I'm so tired of it. I now this one I get though. Like, it's a long way. It's three time zones away. 
and mm-hmm. and this is a question I want to pose to anybody out there in the chat as well. But like, do you go Monday and let yourself settle in? You might lose a training day, but let yourself settle in and acclimate to the time zone, the climate, everything else. Really let yourself settle in and not feel the the stress of we're traveling the day before we get one night and then we're right at the the pitch. Give yourself a day. I think for morale and for team chemistry, that might actually be beneficial because it gives your your team an opportunity to look and say, we really want to prove that we're capable because we proved a lot in this last match. We also showed, again, where our weaknesses are by giving up three goals and, and a late one to, to not take the three points. Um, yeah. I think, in my opinion, like, yeah, you go early. And give yourself a chance to just try something different. Like, Atlanta is so bad on the road, relatively speaking, in terms of, like, their record. It's bad. It's not anywhere close to good. And I I get the narrative. I don't like it. But if what you're doing is not giving you results, maybe do something different. And, And that doesn't mean on the pitch necessarily. I mean, it can. But do something different off the pitch. Go a day early. Go to something. Like, have your team go and, and watch a movie like Ted Lasso. I don't know. Just do something different. Yeah. Um, maybe train in L.A. for a day. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Go I to mean, the beach. I don't know. Yeah, go to the beach. <laughs> yeah, do something. Go to Disney World, Disneyland. Yeah. Uh, not Sperry Farm, um, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they did that. Um you know, like you said, if you try the same thing over and over again, it doesn't work. You got to try a new approach. I mean, it's definition of insanity, right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, wouldn't surprise me. No use waiting around in Atlanta for an extra day. And that's a challenge with these cross-country matches. Um, maybe, we over, maybe we overstated a little bit, but, I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, it's tough for <laughs> it's tough for us. We're not athletes. Um, I mean, it's tough for us to adjust to fight cross-country cross country i mean it's tough for them too so yeah, why not uh, go over maybe a day or two earlier get yourself situated on the west coast but I mean, you have time to do it you don't have, you don't have a match on saturday so yeah why not um i i will ask this too um ellie and that will be very rested going in at least uh but at the same time LASC will be just coming off a match. Um, that recovery process for them, even though they'll be rotated, I'm sure, will be will play a factor. So maybe the time zone adjustment and the compressed match schedule for LASC kind of balances itself out. I don't know. But I mean, it wouldn't hurt. I'm letting that as part to maybe go over a little bit earlier. So Yeah. I, and I think when you're talking about Atlanta's rest, like the big thing is... Yakimakis, that's kind of the big one. Um, mm-hmm. You you want Yakimakis to be healthy because, like Pineda said, like and he is he is fearful that Yakimakis is going to get like if if he gets injured, then that's it. And I understand that. I think everybody feels the same way. You you give him the week now. Let him get his make sure he's good. Get his hamstring, whatever whatever may be ailing him. Give him the time to get right. And everybody else. Because you have had a busy, busy schedule. Not just like the past game or two, but like it's been busy. And we know because we've been doing this show. Like it feels like every day. 
<laughs> which is great, by the way. And I'm yeah. super happy for everybody that listens. Um, but you you got L.A. who you need to go out and you need to bring your first choice lineup 100%. You need to get off to on the right foot and really, really hammer them early as much as you can. Try to get that three points. Come home. Then you got D.C. three days later. D.C., not knocking them, but they're not LAFC. You can yeah. afford a little more to give your guys at least a little bit of a rest, 45 minutes, whatever, to then make it to the international break and rest for a week and a half at that point, a little more yeah. than a week and a half. So push yourself for a little bit longer, and then you get a big break. And I think that's just kind of what you have to hold out for. If they, if I were the, the one in charge, that's how I'd be doing it. But I would definitely be going out there Monday. Give me a day to settle in and enjoy myself. You know, like yeah. enjoy the team, enjoy the friendship. Like that stuff is important, whether we want to admit it or not. They're not just guys going out here celebrating on the pitch. They need to be guys hanging out with each other off the pitch. And what an opportunity this could be to go and just get rid of all the nerves and go have some fun. Do you give Yakumakis the day off against LAFC? No. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> Not at all. Just throwing Not it out there. All. Just throwing it out there. Nope. Um, yeah. Emphatic, I mean, no. Considering you have to be careful with them, I think. I may play 84 minutes against, um, I guess, New England. So, it speaks to the fact that he's probably almost matched up, but he's being banged around and abused out there. So, yeah. Um, we usually find out the team's training schedules and travel schedules uh, a few days before... Um, each match, so we'll be uh, we'll be on the lookout for that to see what Atlanta United decide to do. Um, I believe you mentioned the international break, so I think that kind of gives us a chance to segue to some news that came out a yes, few hours indeed. before we came on. Um, now that Phil Neville got fired, that's something else. That's but, something um, <laughs> else. We'll mention that too. But um, yeah, Miles Robinson getting called into the Concacaf Nations League. Um, squad, the preliminary squad or their training squad. Uh, I believe twenty four players, but you know, twenty three will make the cut. I mean, Miles is gonna become part of the twenty three player roster. So essentially, the group that BJ Callahan called in. By the way, that's something else that we didn't mention. BJ Callahan take over for Anthony Oops. Hudson. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, take over for Anthony Hudson, uh, who is that's part of ways. Yeah. <laughs> No, but um, yeah, Hudson parted ways, um, presumably for a full-time head coaching gig in the Middle East where he has experience with. He used to coach um, Bahrain for a while. It sounds like he's going back to the Middle East. But um, Miles, going back to the um, CONCACAF Nations League, um, it will be against Mexico on the 15th. And then the winner of that match takes on the winner of Panama, Canada. By the way, the semifinals and finals will be at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. I was there last year for the Gold Cup final, and of course, we all know what happened the last time. Miles played a match against Mexico. Yep. It was a one <laughs> In Las game. Vegas. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, good They're to see him back. that man at that yeah. Exactly, exactly. I'll say this, too. My gosh, was it hot out there in Las Vegas, <laughs> trying to get into the stadium. Um, just a long walk to the media entrance, like discovering it as part of media. 
the media entrance, uh, <clears throat> the crowd, as you might expect, very heavily <laughs> Mexican supporters, L3 supporters. Yeah. <laughs> it was just great to hear them silenced as yep. soon as Miles scored that goal. Um, but uh, yeah, great to see Miles back in the mix. Um, I was going to say, essentially the 24-player ro- 24 roster is going to be whittled out to 23. So there's going to be an extra player that's going to be in there just in case. Somebody goes down, but yeah, great to see Miles back in the national team mix. And again, June 15th against Mexico. Wonder if that either Panama or Canada. So, and you've yeah. got uh, both matches that day. You have Panama and Canada at seven o'clock and then mm-hmm. U S Mexico at 10. So Oof, could be up late. Yeah. It'll be a fun one. It'll be a fun, <laughs> fun evening for sure. Uh, and good games though, like genuinely good matchups. I mean, U.S.-Mexico is always great, uh, especially more so now for if you're a USA fan <laughs> recently in yeah, the past few years. Exactly. Uh, but Panama and Canada, that's a, that's going to be a good one. It's going to be a really good one. So Canada really on the rise from a global yeah. standpoint. Went to the World Cup for the first time forever uh, last year. So they're a team that's really on the come up. Um, Herdman's done a terrific job with that program. So, a lot of expectations for Canada as they head into 2026, and hopeful, um, a lot of expectations really for the United States headed into 2026, and let's hope that three years from now, Miles will be part of that. I mean, we don't want to go into last year again, because it's just frustrating to think about, but um, yeah, good to see Miles back in the mix. I agree, and uh, who knows, like, this may be... Uh, maybe no, he'll, he'll. I don't know. As an Atlanta player, yeah, you're looking at maybe the last time you see him in a men's kit while still playing for Atlanta. Mm. I think. Well, the uh, Gold maybe. Cup. Yeah, if he if he goes if he does both, uh, mm. you do kind of wonder because of what happened earlier this this year, how they only brought him to one. Now mm. this is an actual competition, so I do agree. Like it's likely that he'll go, but you never know. You never know. So, uh, anyway, just happy for them, though. Like, and, and this is definitely That's a match sure. where you want him to be mm-hmm. competitive. Something's on the line. Get him back in that mix. So, and hopefully, not get injured. Yes, please don't. <laughs> uh, please don't get injured. Knock on wood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Bo, yes. Forget Canada. They put mayonnaise on fries. Yeah. It's called poutine, by the way, which <laughs> yes. isn't bad. Putin is not bad. No, we had it on our watch along, the first watch along. <laughs> yeah, you we did. did. You did. And then, uh, and then that night turned bad. Anyway, yes, I won't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Next up, though, U twenty World Cup. The U S is there. Caleb Wiley mm. is there. Tyler Wolf's brother Owen Wolf is there. Oh. Uh, lots of other talent is there, and they are they're dominating right now. Of course, if you're in a knockout phase. So anything can happen, but you haven't been scored on yet, which is always a good yeah. thing. Looking at yeah. Gaga Slanina is the only the only keeper in the entire competition that hasn't been scored on at all. Ten goals to the good. Mm. Yeah, you um, beat Ecuador stoppage time in the group stage. Uh, it kind of get more than you could handle from Fiji before Fiji winning three million. Yeah, tougher than it should have been. Yeah. I mean, Fiji just, they didn't score. They just got played off the pitch pretty much in every other match. 
and no one is really expecting much from them, but you, you score first in the 66th minute and then just take over from there. And then against Slovakia, a goal in either half, a goal in stoppage time to really seal it. And then New Zealand, um, early goal by um, Wolf inside of 15 minutes, Owen Wolf, and then three goals. After the hour mark, and what so. a funny goal! I don't, I don't know if you got a chance to watch it. Those of you get that that maybe watched it, that are watching now, the Owen Wolf goal was hilarious because mm-hmm. it was not a strong strike at all, and it just kind of rolled to the keeper. And if you go back and watch the video, the keeper, New Zealand's keeper, pulls his hand back at the last second mm-hmm. instead of just keeping his hand extended and making sure that it, it was parried away. Uh, I think he thought it was going wide. And so he thought, I'm just going to let it go. It's going to go out for a goal kick instead of a corner. And so he pulled away from it slightly, just a little bit, but enough to get his yeah. hand. I mean, he had it had he just kept his hand extended, pulls away, goal rolls in the back, ball rolls in the back of the net. And it's just one of those where it's like, dude, <laughs> you feel bad for him. I'm glad it wasn't us. Glad it wasn't the U S right. but man, that's a, it's a tough one. And then they go on to lose four now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, take a look at Uruguay, by the way. So Uruguay, the group stage. Um, shout out Iraq four nil um, against England. They lost three two. Uh, beat Tunisia one nil um, in the final group stage match. Um, took on Gambia in the round of sixteen. Both teams reduced to ten men. Uh, Gambia yeah. in the first half, just past the 50-minute mark. Um, Uruguay, deep into first half stoppage time, going a man down. So, it went to 10 men each, 10 men to the side, and then Duarte scoring for Uruguay in the 65th minute to send them to the quarterfinals against the United States. So, United States-Uruguay, Sunday afternoon, 5 p.m., I believe. Yep, 5 p.m. And, yeah, winner goes to the semifinals, of course. So, Rooting on USA, rooting on Wiley, certainly, Slonina, and you know, Owen Wolf by extension. I mean, we talked about Tyler Wolf. But um, yeah, let's hope that you know that we see success for the United States. Uh, they've been, this is the fourth straight year, I'm sorry, the fourth straight World Cup, they've been to the quarterfinals. Uh, first three times they were eliminated uh, in the quarterfinal round. Uh, their best friend is fourth place in 89 in Saudi Arabia. So let's hope that they can make their first semifinal in a while. Yeah. And if they do, they would go on to play the winner of Israel and Brazil, mm. which, I mean, you're obviously hoping that Israel wins that match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think Israel will. They they pulled out a 1-0 over Uzbekistan. That's just, I don't know. That, that's a, It's a kind of a lopsided matchup, I think. But you never know. It's it's U twenties. You can't judge what you know about the the senior teams the same way you do with a U twenty team or, or youth team. It's different. Look at Argentina. Argentina's out, and their, their coach <laughs> the is hosts like yeah the host the the hosts that weren't supposed to be the hosts. They had a second chance because they didn't qualify for the World Cup. Then it yeah. gets moved to Argentina where they are now the host country, so they get to play, and now they're out in the round of sixteen, I believe. Uh, yeah, they lost 2-0 to Nigeria. So the coach, and I forget his name, he was already on his way out before. He got a second chance. I just don't see him going any any longer with Argentina. But uh, on the other side of the bracket, you got Nigeria and Korea. 
which that's that should be a good game. And then Colombia and Italy, which also should be a pretty solid game. So you got some cool ones coming up. Um, mm. Those are the third and the fourth. So, yeah. Yeah, Maserano is the head coach, or he may be sexy, but uh, Javier Maserano, of course, a very big name in Argentine yeah. football. That's right. Um, yeah. May not be long <laughs> before not, yeah, he not, gets not given the sack. So, yeah, hopeful for the U.S. against Uruguay. And Sunday at 5 p.m. against, yep. and, or I believe on uh, FS2. Yeah, and Niall saying Caleb Wiley showing the world what he can do. What a player. Absolutely. He has been uh, He's been crucial. He's been very, very good. Not just a, a warm body. He has been involved and probably not been rewarded as much as he should have in, in some of the some of the plays. I mean, he, he could he's got a goal. Mm-hmm. Um he could have had a handful of assists already, could have had a handful of goals already. So he's there, he's doing stuff, and he's being highly rated as well. I've been trying to keep an eye on different outlets that are giving ratings, kind of like our super scientific ones. But they're all rating him very highly, which is which is a good sign. So Yeah. And price it kind of goes up, doesn't it? Unless you yeah. want to hang out to him and really make him a cornerstone of your franchise. But good on Caleb. We've been watching him since the academy. We've watched him with the Lenny United too. We've watched him work his way into the starting eleven for Pineda, and now, like now, saying showing himself in the world stage. So hopefully, more great things to come with Caleb, and you know, just great to see. So hopeful him and the U.S. can get the job done against Uruguay and put their ticket to the semifinal for the first time in a long time. Yep. So. Besides that, I think the only other big news in terms of Atlanta is the twos are going to play at home on mm-hmm. the fourth against the in shambles enter Miami to maybe the twos <laughs> aren't in shambles, but the first team is and uh, Phil Neville has, has been sacked as of like mm-hmm. an hour, two hours ago, uh, at least officially. So It'll be curious to see. I mean, it's not going to affect the twos match, but it'll be curious to see where that club goes from here because there's the the rumor, just like every day we get a rumor, but the rumor that Miami is, is trying to bring on Messi and they're trying to do it in a weird way by basically paying for part of him and then loaning him to Barcelona so that Barcelona can get around the financial fair play rules and all that crap, and then maybe one day he'll eventually actually come and play for Miami. It's such a cluster, but... You wonder if this changes anything in terms mm-hmm. of their future and their near future with the season. I mean, they're dead last. So in the East, I mean, it'll be very curious to see kind of where they go from here. But yep. the twos, though, the twos yeah, are on a roll. Yeah, so. they are. Yeah, they are. Um, I don't have in front of me what place they're in right now. I can pull it up. But um, I will say, as I do, Federico Higuain is the head coach of into Miami, too. So, um, yeah, Atlanta United to seventh in the Eastern Conference, and then all this next pro, into Miami in ninth. So, yeah, yeah into Miami six points back. So, and and yeah. into Miami too. The last time they they came up, uh, or actually we went down there. Uh, Atlanta got started so well, so well, mm-hmm. and then it went really bad they went up two nil early very early and miami came back and won three two so i think they're gonna have something to say at home but it should be a good match 
you know, you guys can watch it on MLSNextPro.com. Be the easiest way. But mm-hmm. the the twos they started off slow. But they've they've definitely been getting better over the past uh, two months or so. Good on them. Yeah, seven thirty kickoff from Fifth Third Bank Stadium. Yep. On Sunday night. So after you watch the USB Uruguay and the U twenty World Cup. Yes. Watch Atlanta United 2 take on Inter-Miami 2. Yes, that's indeed. the nu- Roman numeral 2. Roman numeral 2. Not yes. the number 2. Roman numeral 2. Let's make that make that important designation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, there was one last thing that I wanted to bring up, and I'm, I just blanked out. So carry on. Go ahead, Sydney. <laughs> Don't no, I was going to say, gonna say it's going to be kind of weird not having a match on Saturday. Oh. <laughs> So we get to kick back and relax and watch MLS play out without leaning United at playing and yeah. gives us a chance to be neutrals for at least one night. For for a night, yeah, and, it's, and that was the perfect segue. Uh, per MLS, right before we got on, um, they let us know that all, I mean, I think most everybody that's watching this or that pays attention to this, is already paying for Apple TV and the MLS subscription anyway. But if you just have friends, family, or somebody that you want to turn on to some games, all the matches on Saturday are going to be free. Mm-hmm. Every one of them. So if you don't know that, now you do. And you can go tell your friends or family to go watch. If you don't know, now you know. Now you know. So, uh, it, I mean, it's cool. Again, probably already paying for it, but if you're not, if you know people like for, for me, uh, you got kids on soccer team from last season that really are really getting into soccer and you know maybe their parents aren't ready to shell out the money for a season pass because they're getting into the game but this is a perfect opportunity for kids especially and and like Mm -hmm. pubs you know bars to just if you don't normally show soccer throw it up there and 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 let's 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 play some soccer (laughs) plus uh they're doing a month-long free subscription month-long free trial so another way to get it involved get hooked in so yeah shit for that and yeah like you said every match free this sunday or this saturday so enjoy the matches and yeah be a neutron saturday before lady united take on lafc next wednesday and just a reminder we will have a watch party after our regular show on wednesday night so Y'all are going to get a fill of, of scarves and spikes on Wednesday. Yes, you will. It's going to be busy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> regular show, watch along for Patreon. And uh, and then whatever happens Wednesday night at 1030. So, again, slumber party. Bring your pajamas or whatever. Mm-hmm. You have to have clothes on of some variety. This is not how you sleep at your house. But, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Uh, It'll be fun. I'm trying to figure out, and, and maybe some people can help me out, both regular and Patreon. But we try to do like themed food and drinks for these things. I don't know what do you what do you eat when you're in LA? Like veggie smoothies or something? <laughs> like what do you do? Go vegan, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to do here. I really need some help. So if somebody can tell me, like, what kind of alcohol and what kind of food needs to be involved in this watch along i would be very grateful yeah let us know please (laughs) yep um cool i think that pretty much wraps it up it's been busy it's been fun Mm -hmm. uh bo bo coming in hot i won't repeat the one but definitely tofu 
Avocado yeah. toast. Okay, that's good to know. I'm not eating avocado toast on a watch along, but uh, <laughs> no, it, it's it's been fun, guys. It's been real busy couple weeks, so we'll we'll get back to you uh, Wednesday for that mm-hmm. for all the stuff we just mentioned. We'll also be doing our our midweek. I'm sorry, mid season recap, uh, kind of going over everything that's happened so far. And that's going to be on Patreon. So we're going to have fun with it. It's not going to be informational because a lot of you, a lot of you guys already know what's been going on. It will be informational, but it will be fun too. We're not going to yeah. sit here like Walter Cronkite and just read out the news from the past four months. Mm. We want it to be an enjoyable time, but that'll be on Patreon soon. We'll get that up. We'll let everybody know. And other than that, we got merchandise slowly that we were working on on its way. And yeah, we appreciate all the support, guys. It's been fun. Yeah, and as always, please be sure to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and on Twitch. If you're watching on Twitch, again, patreon.com slash Scars and Spikes. Uh, join us there. Three tiers for you to select from, you know, $117, $5, $10. So definitely do that. Again, patreon.com slash Scars and Spikes. Cool. And with that, special thanks to Jake Ziven for coming mm-hmm. on. And MLS as a whole for for letting these guys come on and chat with us week in and week out. And that is it for us. Tyler Pilgrim, Sydney Hunt. Hopefully Tommy is enjoying his Spider-Man movie right now. And we'll all be back with y'all next week. Adios. See you guys.